0: You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Gambling, feasting, human sacrifice, and prostitutes are everything you need for this holiday season. I'm TK, your guide to the past as we uncover the people, events, and little-known facts hidden in the shadows of your old history textbooks. From empress baddies to activist profiles, turkey gods and the history of the toothbrush, tattoos, Pompeii peepees, and everything in between, you can find it all here. There's no telling how far we'll dig or how many historical facts we'll re-examine. No event is too small, and no topic is too big, because this is for the love of history. Hello, 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 my friend. Welcome back to the last episode of 2021. Oh my gosh. And you know the drill. I'm TK, now and for always, your tour guide to the past, and you are listening to For the Love of History, the podcast where we talk about world history, women's history, and weird history right off the bat. I'm going to let you know the quality, the sound quality of this episode is not as high as the other episodes because i am recording this during quarantine Mm -mm -mm. right next to an airport and i forgot the cord to my microphone we're really ending 2021 with a bang so i apologize (laughs) and i have a small message and a few updates at the end of this episode if you want to hear that so stick around to the end but anyways i hope you are having an excellent winter solstice and a fantastic holiday break and i hope that you are going to have a glorious new year's and before we say goodbye to 2021 we are gonna dig into some dark history and talk about the not so cheery side of winter solstice and the origins of christmas today my friend we are diving into the history of the Roman holiday, Saturnalia. So without further ado, grab your favorite blanket, wrap it around yourself like a toga, and for the last time in 2021, let's get to it. Saturnalia. What the heck is Saturnalia? I had no idea until a few months ago that this holiday had even existed, but I am very glad that I know about it now. So how did we come to find this topic, TK? I hear you asking, well I'm a curious cat, and while I was watching my favorite christmas movie nightmare before christmas i thought to myself is there really an actual nightmare before christmas or a dark side of christmas or winter solstice for that matter i needed to know if there was any dark history tidbits during the most wonderful time of the year so as one does i hopped on google and lo and behold there are a ton of historical events that happen during the winter solstice season that are super dark and super creepy and then i put it to you my dear friend on instagram to decide which dark history you wanted to talk about and you and your infinite wisdom decided saturnalia and the dark side of winter solstice was the topic for us to end 2021 so let's dive right into the lighter side of saturnalia how it all started where did it come from and all that jazz the main focus of saturnalia is to celebrate the roman god saturn The god of agriculture, harvest, and plentifulness. According to legend, he is the one who brought agriculture and wine to Italy, so that in and of itself is worthy of a whole-ass holiday. Can you imagine a world with no adult grape juice? I cannot, especially during the holiday season. Mm. But I digress. He is also important to the Romans for other reasons other than the wine. (laughs) He became the first god of the capital, and for a long time, the Romans kept their treasury in his temple. Saturn is an important guy all around to the ancient Romans, and this is very, very limited information on Saturn. We could literally do a whole podcast series about him and his mythology. But we do not have time, so I will put links in the show notes for more information about the god Saturn if you are interested. The only thing that you need to know for this episode right now is Saturn is important to the Romans from around 130 BCE to the 400-ish BCE. Saturnalia began around 130-133 BCE and was just a one-day celebration in December. Depending on who you ask, it's like December 17th or December 13th. But for our purposes, it's going to be December 17th. <laughs> this date was, calcule- <laughs> was calculated using the Julian calendar, which the Romans used at the time. This one-day celebration marked the end of the harvest season. Farmers would finish the harvest, and then everybody would go to the Temple of Saturn dressed in their best togas and tunics. An animal sacrifice, usually of a bull, would be made at the temple, and then a statue of Saturn wrapped in wool would be brought out by the priest of the temple. The wool would be unwrapped from around the statue, and then the statue would be placed on a couch representing rebirth. How and why this represented rebirth, I do not know. But according to the Roman religion, I am rebirthed every day, because I too wrap myself in a woolen blanket and rest on the couch. <laughs> Are you also a daily rebirther? Anyways, I digress. Once the statue of Saturn was on the couch, then the festivities could begin. But the thing I like the most about this holiday is that it's almost like a real life opposite day. Do you know when you were a kid and you used to annoy the crap out of your parents and your teachers and your friends by just announcing that it was opposite day and then turning everything they said into the opposite and then doing that thing and then inevitably getting in trouble and then starting a fight with your friend or being grounded by your parents? Well, Saturnalia was really an opposite day for the ancient Romans. But luckily, everybody was in on it and nobody got annoyed or grounded like I did. The entire society shut down for a whole week and societal rules were reversed. Masters became servants, servants became masters, those who were enslaved became free and got to do whatever they wanted. And I mean, whatever they wanted. To signify this freedom, everybody wore special little red hats called freedom hats, also known as pilium or pileus. They were usually red and made of felt and kind of looked like slouchy beanies. I'll put some pictures up on Instagram so that you can see them, but I definitely know that you and I have both seen hipsters wearing these slouchy beanies. They also, I'm, I'm just thinking of this right now, they also kind of look like Smurf hats if the Smurf hats were red instead of white. You'll have to decide for yourself what these freedom hats look like. I'm going to put them on Instagram, don't worry. In addition to these freedom hats, men, women, and children alike would trade in their drab, colorless togas and tunics for more colorful, vibrant, and exciting clothing called synthesis. Gift giving was also a huge part of Saturnalia as well, with husbands and wives exchanging gifts, boyfriends, girlfriends, lovers, children, parents, grandparents, neighbors, co-workers, everybody exchanging gifts. And gifts could be anything from food to tiny statues to tablets to clothes to instruments literally anything just like now they would also decorate their homes their businesses the town pretty much everything putting up greenery putting up red stuff and just making the place a little bit more merry and colorful in the beginning of Saturnalia it was pretty simple just one day not a super big deal but before long it extended to a whole week starting on December 17th and lasting until December 23rd or 25th. The people in charge of the celebration were called the Adalas, basically the party planning committee. Each year, they wanted to outdo the previous year's celebration and make it more memorable and more special. And as the celebrations got longer, they also got more out of control. And the opposite days turned into a little uh scandalous opposite days (laughs) and Saturnalia got a little bit darker to keep up with people's tastes and to keep them excited about the holiday and what was once a merry opposite day celebration became a week of solstice debauchery no sleep bus Club, another club, another bus, another plane, next place, no sleep, another club. That was the week long celebration of Saturnalia in a nutshell. And if you don't know the Lady Gaga meme that I am referencing in that line, I'm going to post it on Instagram. It's a good one. You need to know about it. So, what I'm trying to say is nobody slept. For the whole week of Saturnalia due to the festivals and the adult entertainment. There were legal gambling tables that were temporarily made legal, there were snake charmers, there were puppet shows, and there were things that adults do that were usually illegal but now totally legal because Saturnalia, as you know, is a week-long opposite day. Wealthy people would often sponsor these adult entertainments, like having very buxom lady gladiators come in from Spain and other parts of the Roman Empire to provide services and entertainment, if you know what I mean. Even the Roman emperors not wanting to be outdone would also sponsor some adult activities One very famous case was when Emperor Nero provided an absurd amount of free prostitutes for an entire week. Talk about a naughty Christmas. (laughs) Oh my god, that's such a terrible dad joke. I'm so sorry. (laughs) Present TK is embarrassed by script writing TK? Oh my god, so cringe. Anyways... (laughs) Anyways, another one of my favorite Saturnalia traditions was the crowning of the King of Saturnalia, which was later connected to the medieval practice of appointing a Lord of Misrule. It's got a quite the long-running history, and I made a reel on Instagram about that if you're interested and you want to know more. Each house would appoint their own Saturnalia King slash Lord of Misrule to kind of direct the fun, debauchery, and the entertainment. But the city of Rome itself would elect one person for a special Saturnalia King position. Everything this King proposed had to be done, and I mean everything. Not only his family, but the city as a whole. If he saw you in the middle of the road and he was like, stop and drink this whole thing of beer. You had to stop and drink that whole thing of beer. And some of these commands were very not safe for work. Usually the Saturnalia King was from a lower class, meaning a poor person, a servant, or somebody who was enslaved, a man, a man who was enslaved because women, you could you could not be the Saturnalia King. <laughs> not only did everybody have to do exactly what they said for the whole week, but the Saturnalia King was also lavished with food drink and adult activities and literally anything that they wanted all of their heart's desires granted for a whole week they were like a rich kid during their sweet 16 all eyes were on them and the world was their oyster but one quite interesting yet frustrating thing about saturnalia is that we actually don't have a full account of the holiday itself even though it was the most popular holiday during this time. Archaeologists and historians have pieced together what Saturnalia was like via the writings of philosophers, historians, and people who came to observe the holiday from other countries. A lot of the events that happened during Saturnalia we have very clear evidence for, whether it be in writing or in archaeological evidence. But one thing that has been up for debate for years Is human sacrifice at the end of Saturnalia. Archaeologists over the years have found things called oscillium which are effigies statues of human heads. There is a great debate among the Roman historian community on whether these little head statues were created to replace that of real human heads or not. There is no doubt that the Romans did participate in ritualistic human sacrifice. There is no argument over that. The argument among scholars is to what extent the Romans participated in human sacrifice and how it was incorporated in religion. So for the sake of our podcast today, let's assume the scholars who hypothesize that Saturnalia did end in a human sacrifice are correct. What did the sacrifice look like? Why were people sacrificed? And who was sacrificed at the end of Saturnalia? Let's dig into it. One of the leading reasons why some scholars believe that human sacrifice was a part of Saturnalia is the god Saturn's connection with the goddess Lua. Lua is a goddess to whom soldiers sacrificed things, animals, and people to. She is sometimes called Lua Saturni, or Saturn's Lua. They were like BFFs, which had quite the sinister connection. Actually, her name is likely derived from the word luo meaning to pay. And some people believe that she is the negative aspect of Saturn. During Saturnalia, everyone is celebrating the God Saturn and having a great time. They're eating, they're drinking, they're being merry, but at the end, a debt had to be paid for this merriment, and the goddess Lua was the one to collect this payment. But who had to pay the price? Who was the unlucky person that would not get to see the next Saturnalia celebration? Some historians hypothesize that it was the Saturnalia King, aka the Lord of Misrule, who had to pay the ultimate price. After a week of living it up, living their best life with drink, food, women, and basically being the boss of Rome, they had to pay the price for everyone's collective sin. Now, it was well known to the Saturnalia kings that at the end of the week, they would be sacrificed. It was not a secret. They knew, and some of them went willingly to be sacrificed, but others did not. The willing ones would walk to the forum, the center of Rome, to slit their throats and kill themselves. Others willingly jumped to their death on the hangman's noose. But others had to be forced and dragged into the center of Rome to be beheaded at the altar of Saturn and Lua. And once the Saturnalia king was dead, this topsy-turvy Saturnalia Rome was put right again. Masters were no longer fools, servants served, and those who were enslaved took off their freedom hats and put them away until the next year. Rome was once again the place of law and order. TK. Aside from the uh, sex, gambling, and human sacrifice, Christmas and Saturnalia sound pretty similar, do they not? You are correct, my dear friend. They sure do sound similar, and that is no coincidence. Or is it? By the end of the 4th century, Christianity was all over the place, and at the risk of oversimplifying this, in order to more easily incorporate other people into Christianity, Pagan quote-unquote holidays were used to make Christian holidays, or they were incorporated into already existing Christian holidays. Christmas shares many of its traditions with Saturnalia, and in fact the time of year is the same as when Saturnalia was celebrated. The Bible actually never gives a specific date for the birth of Jesus and according to some theologists, people who study religion, given the context clues in the Bible, it's more likely that the actual birth of Jesus, if it happened, happened during the springtime. But like many things in the historical community, a consensus simply cannot be made on the connections between Saturnalia and Christmas. But like many things in the historical community, a consensus cannot be made on the connections between Saturnalia and Christmas. Some scholars find it laughable that Saturnalia and Christmas have any connection with one another at all. Other scholars believe that Christmas comes directly from Saturnalia, and yet others think that Saturnalia has absolutely nothing to do with Christmas, and that another Roman holiday called Sol Victus is actually the one that Christmas is modeled after. As much as I would love to believe that historians and archaeologists and theologists are unbiased, it's just not true. Every scholar holds some bias and it cannot be separated from the telling of history. Even myself, dear one. I am not immune from adding my own little bit of bias spice into a historical story. Things that I am passionate about will get more focused in an episode and things that I don't think are super important will not get the spotlight. It's simply human nature. And that's why it's so important to learn history from different sources. Try to get the big picture from a variety of articles, documentaries, YouTube videos, podcasts, and all of those other wonderfully delicious primary and secondary sources no one person is the absolute end-all be-all authority on any topic in history and if they say they are they're a big stinking liar pants and they should not be trusted and isn't that kind of the fun part of history trying to piece things together try to build a story and a picture of what life was like or what a specific moment was like what a holiday was like That's what makes history so fun and exciting and frustrating all at the same time. So maybe Saturnalia is connected with Christmas, maybe it's not. Maybe people were sacrificed at the end of Saturnalia, maybe they weren't. All we can do is keep looking for the answers to these questions. We have come to our final thought, my friend, and I have to tell you about this theory about Santa and his connection with Saturnalia. I know we just talked about the uncertainty of everything, but I I, I just gotta tell you about this. So, like I said, scholars cannot come to a consensus on whether Christmas has anything to do with Saturnalia or not. However, there are some amazing coincidences, some dinks, some connections that I feel cannot be ignored. And I have to tell you about them right now. So, number one. You know those hats that people wore, the freedom hats during Saturnalia? Well, Santa's hat is actually modeled after those hats. Thomas Nast drew Santa Claus wearing a Peleus, the freedom hats, in 1863, which is the image that influenced many modern depictions of Santa, including the Coca-Cola Santa Claus, which popularized, popularized the red Santa hat. That we now know today okay here's the next connection let's talk about santa himself this ho 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 jolly man is often said to be derived from depictions of saturn and i know what you're thinking my dear friend tk you sound like a conspiracy theorist right now but but hear me out hear me out okay real quick saturn was usually depicted as a bearded and happy-go-lucky guy, right? Okay, okay. He was also not super chiseled, being the god of plenty and all. Mm-hmm. Santa, a little bit, a little bit rotund. That's why we love him. Saturn was also associated with the holy branch, which is a typical feature of the holiday season of Saturnalia and now. And the colors of that holy branch were You guessed it, red and green, which are the typical colors that we imagine for Christmas now. Mm Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So Saturn was connected with red and green. Santa's connected with red and green. It's all a little bit too convenient for me. So I'm thinking, Saturn is really Santa. And even their names sound similar, don't they? But I will let you decide, my friend. What do you think? Is Saturn and Santa the same person? And that concludes TK's conspiracy theory about the god Saturn and Santa. (laughs) Thank you. Well, there you have it, my friend. The very last episode of 2021. (laughs) Holy cow. I cannot thank you enough for being with me this year. Literally, you and this podcast helped me stay sane in this second year uh, of the Global Panini um, when I wasn't able to go home. Um, And that was was really not fun. (laughs) And I cannot thank you enough for taking the time out of your day to be here with me. I really appreciate that. I do not have eloquent enough words to express how I feel about that. So just thank you, thank you from the bottom of my heart, my huge, mushy, gushy little heart. And I really hope that, for the love of history and myself, was able to be a bright spot in your life. I hope that I could make you laugh this year. I hope that I was able to be your companion while you did chores or went on your commute to work. I hope that I made you feel better when you were sad and I hope that I could just make you feel a little bit more connected to something or someone in this banana world because you definitely did all of those things for me. And now before I make myself cry, (laughs) I have a few announcements about For the Love of History going into 2022. Of course, I am going to continue to bring you For the Love of History episodes that goes without saying, but the episodes are going to change schedule our new upload schedule is going to be a season based schedule so instead of having episodes come out every other week we are going to have episodes come out for a whole season which is every week for 10 weeks then I'll take a few weeks off for a break to create some awesome content for you and then come back for the next season This way, I'll be able to create better podcast episodes and more content for Patreon, which I've been wanting to do for the last year. Also, having the episodes on a seasonal base, we have the opportunity to do something super cool that I'm really excited about and also super nervous about, which is inviting guests to the podcast for the final episode of the season. I already have some super cool guests planned to come on, and I'm very excited about that, and I think you're going to be excited about it as well. So here's to changes, here's to growth in the next year that I'm very excited and also nervous about. So those are in my announcements. And I will be taking a two-ish week break, and I will see you, my dear friend, on January 21st for American Tattoo History the first episode of 2022, and the first episode of, I guess we'll call it season two of For the Love of History podcast. I hope you have a beautiful new year. I will miss you so much while I'm gone. And before I forget, drink your water, be kind to yourself, and do something every day that makes you happy. And I will see you in 2022, my friend. Bye! Why is there a metronome right now? Oh, okay. <laughs>